0: It was free. freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway I outran a cold front
1: when I gave my truck the reins Barreling down i 35 with one thought
0: on my mind forget the race find an open space be that hey there howdy here we are again thank you for tuning in and telling your friends that you hang out right here on the other side of texas a new week of the program thanks for uh making us what you are and your host jay west texas Leeson. love this i see people they say hey i got my uh, car washed at the uh, racer car wash studios not exactly the studios but appreciate you guys being patrons of great businesses that have gone in for something a little bit different some west Texicanism. Uh, speaking from an independent place and uh, love these guys racer car wash voted lubbock's best wash for five years running stop into one of five convenient locations across your hub city for the best wash around guaranteed check them out at racerwash.com lots coming at you today the president's got a big rally scott braddock is on top of that the quorum report editor we'll have him up here in about 10 minutes from now followed by nick harbster lubbock county pretty interesting right now to me that in one of the reddest places on the planet I think that folks may be, i said before, I think the Mike Collier-Dan Patrick race will be the closest statewide race between D and R. But I think that there are some races here, and by some I mean two, for Lubbock County Commissioner uh, that I think a lot of people are going to be unexpected i don't think it's unexpected but i think a lot of people will be surprised when they see the results and nick Harpster is in one of those races he'll be up about half an hour from now as we roll along on this edition of the program just buckle up and uh we'll throw the steering wheel out the window and have a good time first up uh best and worst of the weekend we try to do this on mondays quite a a weekend there at the lease in ponderosa and uh unexpected began on friday right after this program friday october 19 i'd had i think we build the program on the podcast bad mexican food and by bad mexican food what i mean is that i had mount saint helens in the back of my trousers and it was not a good afternoon for me after a mexican food lunch and as this program went along i efforted through i did not quite understand what was going on but i effort through just for you Controlling involuntary movements, do all I can in the West Texican spirit, and right after the show, my temperature begins to spike, goes up to about 103, and so I go to a clinic here in the rural metropolis after the show, wait, and see either a doctor or nurse practitioner i was i was like 40 percent present i was in my mind looking up caskets uh for the best deal for my departed my soon to be departed felt like i was probably going to die and i get diagnosed with early flu even though type i believe type b early flu And that I should just go home and expect. I was told I I tested negative, and I was told that I was tested too early, but I probably did, in fact, have the flu. So we have a rent house in Tech Terrace, and I was exiled to that rent house, understandably. You know my beautiful bride we i understand we got four little kids and didn't want to expose them went home packed a bag stopped by the food king i don't know if you know much about food king i don't know where you're listening from Uh, but it used to be lowe's and now it's just a grade a disaster i mean it's like it's like a dollar store on steroids it's just a disaster went through there and picked up about $70 worth of Pedialyte trying to save my life Dayquil NyQuil all sorts of medicines Topo Chico because that's always the cure for everything and began to just hunker down for a weekend of the worst yes text in from Chuck what food uh ramen noodles that's that's the best i could think of and then some various soups but just and and i got a new thermometer and expected the worst and but that was really disheartening to me because the next day my my twin boys are on the same flag football team they had a double header my wife is a a world-class a realtor at this point and I knew that she had things going on. We also had a tech game as so far insofar as you can call Kansas a game and a bunch of other stuff. And I they told me to be ready for four or five days to be sitting there with a the flu. And I appreciate so many of you who follow on Twitter. Whenever I said got the flu going to be in and out of drowsiness what should i watch evil genius came up again i'm going to say right now marge is my new michael from halloween some of you 80s kids listening uh, she's my new michael if you hadn't seen evil genius it's crazy town but anyhow uh, i was exiled and i went to my sentence to face the flu but here's the deal i had the night sweats all night on friday night into saturday morning took my last round of tylenol excuse me about uh, 4 a.m and woke up the next morning and felt okay i felt like hey i'm i feel okay i'm not mount saint helens in right now i'm I'm kind of recovering, and it, you know, a little bit of it's my genetics, my West Texanism, and uh, probably a good portion of the grace of God. And so on Saturday morning, and I mark this with importance on Saturday morning, October 20. I don't take any more Tylenol. My fever doesn't come back. I feel okay, and it's on. At 11 a.m., I left exile, and. Went back to the house, took a quick shower, and then, even with the warm water, fever didn't come back. So it was on to Dad going to flag football, doubleheaders. We came home. We changed real quickly. We went to the Texas Tech game. I understand the students are getting a lot of grief, but also, this is my pity card, we stayed till halftime we stayed till it was 28 to 3 pretty well decided i didn't want to push myself beyond in case something else came back because that night my wife and i had planned this couples party i believe the theme was famous dead couples we were going to be john and june cash and we had these costumes lined up and we showed up in all of our my hair painted black because you know 40 percent of it's gray now and we showed up in all john and june june cash a luster we got married in a fever we showed up we did that thing and it was awesome and um so my worst in the weekend is this the diagnosis of you've got flu the best of the weekend the best of the weekend i woke up and then at about ten thirty on saturday morning made the call that i'm good showed up for october 20 my 17th i should say our 17th anniversary and a dad of the year trophy took care of the double header the texas tech game with the twins and then John and Judy Cash. I hope your weekend was great. I, you know, also, a little far second, I should state. the chief, Watching the Kansas City Chiefs right now is like watching the Texas Tech Red Raiders on steroids. It is the professional level. And this is like... Like, to watch Tyreek Hill catch balls from Patrick Mahomes is kind of the equivalent of, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is is on fire right now. He's an NFL sensation, to be sure. But on, it's just incredible. It's incredible to watch. I don't know how a Texas Tech fan could not be a big fan kansas city chief fan right now it's just great to watch and uh glad to have called it and uh, i got plenty of chiefs on my fantasy football team tyreek hill is the absolute professional version nehemiah glover maybe even jakeem grant i don't want to get to a fight there hey coming right up we got scott braddock quorum report and then we'll get into nick harpster News, views, and issues that matter in West Texas will be back momentarily. Going to go make some money right here with some folks you need to patronize and uh, roll on here on your other side of Texas. Hey, welcome back in to the other side of Texas. This segment is brought to you by our friends at Title I, Lubbock's digital real estate and title escrow company. And uh, Title I committed to providing you with the highest level of communication and service from the time the contract opens until it closes. See how Title I can serve your realty consumer and lending needs at one.com early voting is underway maybe unexpected lines it seems to be the case at least in lubbock county and the trump rally tonight somebody who can talk about both of those things is our friend scott braddock braddock on texas each week here on your other side of texas scott braddock how you doing doing well sir. keeping up with all the
1: numbers this afternoon yeah. and, well, uh and scott Reddick, tell I, us uh, about uh,
0: mm-hmm. it seems to me here's my deal is that it seems to me that whenever we get into election cycles mm-hmm. that nine percent of texans vote and that's problematic because what it means is the winners, it's only about six, 5 to 6% uh-huh. that control the political destiny of the state. Uh, tell us about turnout right now as you're viewing it across the state.
1: Here's the headline that we just posted at quorumreport.com. First day of early voting reaching, quote, presidential levels in Texas. That's from elections administrators in some of the biggest counties and my reporter James Russell has been running through the numbers. We don't have all the math done on all this just yet for you, but I can tell you uh that in the big counties like Harris County, Dallas County, Tarrant County, etc., uh the numbers are just through the roof. Harris County, of course, is the largest by population um, county in the state. Uh and of course they shattered voter registration numbers uh far ahead of the second most populous county which is Dallas County, uh in Harris County uh, they broke their midterm record of 26,000 uh, first-day voters, uh, which was set back in 2010. Uh, right, as of right now, uh, we're looking at about uh, almost 40,000 ballots cast there. Um, so so quite, quite a gulf between the record that was already in place and the number that's coming in. And we're seeing the same sort of pattern all over the state, Dallas County, Tarrant County, as I mentioned, and in some of the big suburban counties as well like Montgomery County uh, which is of course down near Houston uh, Fort Bend County near Houston also up in DFW area Collin County Denton County seeing big numbers as well Um, and it should be noted that in those places in those suburban counties when the primary election was held earlier this year that's where you saw some of the largest surges in the Democratic side of things you know the Democratic primary of course in that uh, first round of voting back in March we saw about one million Democrats vote uh statewide. And of course they were surpassed by the Republicans who were at about one point five million uh votes cast in the Republican primary. Uh what does this mean for who's actually voting? It's hard to tell. I mean what I would say right now is a lot of anecdotal things uh you know that I've I've been hearing throughout the day. Uh one is that uh Beto O'Rourke was leading um uh rallies in Fort Bend and Montgomery counties early this morning um and getting people out to the polls a lot of folks very excited because they are first time voters and so they're exercising their right to vote on the very first day that they're able to do so one of the things that we'll look for as we go through the week is does this continue do we see record numbers again tomorrow Wednesday Thursday or is this people getting it out of their system today and then it sort of tapers off it has been true historically that republican voters have been better about early voting and now the democrats are sort of catching up with that Um, you know I, one of the things that was said to me earlier today is they that uh... The, uh one of the longtime observers of texas politics said you know i can not imagine that uh, so many people turning out with so much energy are voting for the status quo on this first day of voting sort of uh... implying that uh... these are a lot of democratic voters who are turning out uh, however I do hear from a lot of Republicans as well who said that they went to the polls, you know, as early as seven o'clock in the counties where they're able to do that, and they were standing in line, waiting for fifteen or thirty minutes to be able to cast their vote against Beto O'Rourke and the Democrats because, as they said, they're socialists and we have to put them, uh, you have to, we have to stop them in their tracks is the way they said it. So uh, we're sorting all this out, and of course, uh, you know, early voting still open. Um, you know, at least for another hour and a half, in some of these places that uh, are holding early voting throughout the state. And by the way, the uh, what do they do in Lubbock? Is it seven to seven o'clock like it is in a lot of places?
0: I'm I'm not sure. I should know that. I'm typically not an early <laughs> voting guy. I like yeah. to go on election day. Yeah, me but, too. Um, but quite honestly, Scott Braddock, whenever I saw you tweeting out, and then others, Texas elections, so a lot of folks talking about these lines. I had some time during my lunch in a a place that's being newly developed in Lubbock, Mm -hmm. and so I just jumped in. I went ahead and voted. I I pride Mm -hmm. myself on being an election guy, but... Election day. An election day guy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that there's much that's going to change between now and... Election day, like it might yeah. in other races, and so uh, texts are texting in that it's uh, pretty sure that polls end at 7 p.m. But I mm-hmm. went ahead and okay. I saw a voter line that was I could jump right in, and but also yeah. heard somebody behind me. I just went to if people in Lubbock are familiar with this, I voted at I think 121st Street and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Newly developed area, and there was a location at 98th where it was out the door. So I said, you know what, I'm not going to be an early voter this year. I'm just going to get her done.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and I get it. You know, a lot of people, myself included, uh, sometimes you think that there may be something that happens right in the closing days of the campaign or even right up to the last 48 hours before, uh, you know, voting closes on Election Day. And you think maybe something will happen that will sway me one way or the other? I think most people right now have got their minds made up. A lot of the polling that we've been looking at, by the way, over the last month or so that we've talked about here on the other side of Texas, a lot of it indicates that there is very um, insignificant. Uh, there's a, there's an insignificant population of people in the state of voters in the state who have not made up their minds already. Um, to the point about um, uh, voting times, I brought it up because I think a lot of folks same everywhere, and they're just not. I'll give you an example. In Travis County, it's 7 to 7 here in Austin. Uh, In Dallas County, same thing, 7 to 7, but in Bexar County, for whatever reason, it's 8 to 6. In Fort Worth, for whatever reason, it's 8 to 5. And check this out. In Harris County, which again is the largest by-population county in uh, the state, uh, their voting uh, for early voting goes from 8 a.m. to 4.30. So in the largest County with the you know the county with the most voters they have the most restrictive hours for when people can vote just something
0: interesting to take note. That's Scott Braddock, carrying on with you here, uh, a little coughing break there. Excuse so me. I wondered where. Yeah. where uh, did Jay Leeson go? Yeah. Uh, uh, we have Braddock's
1: a boil been... water. We have a boil water order going on right now in Austin. By the way, um, not good uh, for local officials to have uh, a boil water order go out. Right before early voting started this morning,
0: and because why?
1: Well, what you think people are going to be happy with leadership around here?
0: Oh, when, so but, you know, we have to are boil our water. Austin City Council is on this ballot as well. Yes. Oh man, that's some great opposition well, they have, research. They have uh, well, they well, what it is is they have
1: uh, you know a lot of propositions on the November ballot, so. Yeah.
0: Uh, to here in Lubbock. And I will concede this. I'm not going to go through and talk to my West Texican independent audience about (laughs) candidates that I voted for or didn't vote for. Again, it is a change of pace for me to vote on uh, the first day early voting, but I went ahead and took the opportunity. I don't see what else will change. Because in primaries things can change. Can you... Can you empathize with that, Scott Braddock? That on primaries, there's all sorts of stuff that comes out after the fact. I remember breaking a story yes. about Luke Macias, who is an Empowered <laughs> Texans yes, pack. Yes. And he. Well, he's a way station for Chairman Dunn's money, is what you mean. And Chairman Dunn of Empowered Texans. And I think that I broke that the Sunday heading into early voting that he was running at least 11 illegal campaigns Mm -hmm. across texas and speaking of luke macias we nick Harpster is running for Lubbock county commissioner is running against jason corley uh luke macias ran i don't think that luke macias usually runs at effectual change on twitter doesn't usually run uh county commissioner races must have been called in by somebody affiliated with and and
1: suddenly he suddenly he was involved in your local races
0: yeah and uh we'll let we'll go through the tea leaves coming up here in just a moment with nick harbster with how luke macias might have been involved in a local race uh it's a state senator i don't believe his name is uh I'm just going to take a stab. I don't think his name was Kel Seliger, but anyway, to me, in the in the general races, not the primaries, things can change. And uh, I had my mind made up, so I went ahead and voted. So, for those yeah. who want to call me a sellout, uh, go ahead and, and try to do. <laughs> because so. you're
1: a purist. You're a purist about voting on election day. Yeah, I, I can respect that. Uh, you know, I was um, here,
0: before the line was out the door. I got things well, to yes. do, man. Well, people have things
1: to do, and people have two weeks to early vote. I mean, this is one of the things that, and look, I, I have had this uh, discussion with my friends who are Democrats who who talk all the time about all the voter suppression that goes on in Texas and in other Southern states. And I can't speak for what happens in other Southern states, but I can say this, you know, because there's so much discussion about gerrymandering voter ID etc and those are valid issues you know those are things that need to be you know um, addressed from a policy perspective um, and there should probably be more thoughtful legislation about some of those things and I would be in favor of a Commission for uh, drawing our districts etc and I don't agree with uh, having a, a voter ID law that is as restrictive as the one that we have in Texas in and of itself I don't think there's anything wrong with saying people ought to have to show their ID To vote, but there are questions about which forms of ID are valid, uh, et cetera. Uh, But when we talk about things being restrictive, when we talk about things being onerous, people can vote for two weeks before the election. Uh, In a lot of states, that's not the case. You have to you have to vote on election day. You don't have a choice about it. Uh, Here in Texas, you got all the time in the world. Uh, As I said, in a lot of these counties, the polls are open from seven to seven. Try this: get up early and go vote or go vote after work state law says if you're in line um you know when the polls close you get to vote that day so go vote it, there's no excuse for not voting do you ever uh, i had i had some i'll say one other thing about it i had uh, a democrat uh say today uh that they were block walking in williamson county uh the suburban county just north of austin uh, and they went to somebody's house and knocked on their door and the person who answered the door said, "Well, I don't think I can vote. I'm not registered." and the person the person who knocked on the door said, "If you weren't registered, I wouldn't be here to talk to you. That's why I came you are registered, actually. Get your butt down to the polls. A lot of these folks have gotten the message that for some reason they may not be able to vote. And the fact is, in a lot of these cases, they are. Um, I had an instance where I had to change my address. Uh, you know, make make the change to my address. You could do, and I had moved within the county. Uh, this was fairly recently, uh, and you know, you go online. If if you're in the same county, you can go online, change your address, and change your ID, and both of those will be you know at your all of that will be updated so fast that everything's taken care of. You know, within a week and a half or so. I think a lot of it is laziness. Get out and vote. So we so we see a lot of people doing the opposite today, and that's a positive thing.
0: Well, and it's uh, votelubbock dot org if mm-hmm. you're listening in the rural metropolis region. Carrying on at Scott Braddock on Twitter. Let's transition right quick and go into the Trump rally earlier. Yeah. The president saying by earlier, I think a month ago that he's coming to Texas. Interesting that Trump's reelection campaign is paying for this event Mm -hmm. a question out on the table that i'll bring to you in just a moment Uh, go ahead and cue it up is this trump's event or Cruz's event apparently uh, by the headlines uh, trump coming to texas to Mm -hmm. bat for uh, a foe formerly referred to as lion ted cruz today the (laughs) president calling by the president beautiful, beautiful Ted Cruz. Beautiful, yes. Uh, he's not
1: Lion Ted. Now he's beautiful Ted Cruz. And he also said his new neck, uh, nickname for him is
0: Texas Ted. Okay, so... <laughs> uh, but originally, the, yeah. the president saying the biggest Remarkable. venue that he can find, uh, the mm. biggest football stadium, is this where this will be? And yeah. apparently, the biggest football stadium, Texas AM, you can't hold campaign rallies at public Property at, uh, right. at a public football stadium, uh, so not TCU in Fort Worth with a uh, van down by the river. Gary Patterson, right. it is down in not Houston, Rice. not at Rice, yeah. uh, so, or Baylor. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the venue because, uh, and I will say this: there are pe- That venue is full right now. There are people in lawn sure. chairs outside. I don't mean to in any way to undermine. That this is a very highly attended event. Oh yeah! Uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be absolutely full. What are you expecting as you see this, uh, this event unfold, Scott Braddock?
1: Well, these rallies are a lot like going to a rock concert. People don't really expect to hear something new. They want to hear the hits, right? They want to hear the president say the things that he's been saying at some of these other rallies. If you watch some of the rhetoric that he's been employing uh, at rallies for Republican candidates around the country, what has he been saying? Uh, Here's a paraphrase. He's been saying, a vote for John is a vote for me. A vote for Mary is a vote for me. A vote for so-and-so is a vote for me. So I would expect him to say something like this tonight. A vote for Ted Cruz. Beautiful Ted Cruz. Texas Ted is a vote for me. The president has interestingly been making this a referendum on himself. A lot of times during these uh, midterm elections, it's the opposition party that tries to make it, you know, whoever is the occupant of the Oval Office. You know, if you go back to 2006, that's what Democrats were doing to George Bush. Um, You know, if you look at 2010, that's what Republicans were doing with a lot of success to Barack Obama. This time around, the president is basically saying, bring it. Yeah, this is a referendum on on me. If you like what I'm doing when it comes to trade, if you like what I'm doing when it comes to um, the economy, if you like what I'm doing when it comes to foreign policy, et cetera, then you need to support the candidates that I'm supporting like Ted Cruz Uh, you know it was a couple of weeks ago that Donald Trump Jr. had gone to Wichita Falls and he basically laid the groundwork for the argument of why it's okay for all of us to think that the Trumps and the Cruises are back on the same side again are back on the same page again Trump uh, Jr. uh, in Wichita Falls had said uh, that after the election the nasty primary in 2016 that Cruz had basically come to the Trumps and I'm paraphrasing now, but he had basically said uh that uh, Cruz sort of grovelled before them, he wanted to be you know back you know in their good graces uh Trump jr. did say that if the shoe was the on the other if, if the shoe was on the other foot, that it would not have necessarily been the case that the trumps would have been okay with Cruz if he was you know then uh, the nominee and maybe on his way to the White House uh tonight, I think Trump's gonna fire up his base uh which is what you know what we would expect. Um, And remember, it was not, because I was asked this on CBS News over the weekend, what is the uh, relationship between Trump and Cruz like now? But it wasn't Cruz who asked Trump to come to Texas. You know who it was, right, Jay Leeson? It was Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, Mm. who back in, I think in July, had gone to the White House. He had asked senior staffers if the president would please come to Texas to rally for Cruz and rally for the Republican ticket, and as we talked about last week on this show, it's been the lieutenant governor who has been driving this strategy. It's the lieutenant governor who has been talking about red meat issues, uh, you know, like uh, the uh, NFL players uh, kneeling during the anthem, uh, making the argument that Democrats want to make Texas like California and all of that. Uh, so really, banking on the idea that this is a base versus base election, just the base of the Republican Party democratic party but more lately it's been um uh, the lieutenant governor acting as if maybe it's not going to be just a base versus base election by arguing on television in his advertisements and in mail pieces that have been showing up around the state that what needs to happen that teachers need a pay raise which is not exactly red meat republican stuff so it sounds to me like the lieutenant governor is hedging his bets so i think um the comments i'll be the most interested in tonight will be those that are made by the lieutenant governor to see what kind of accord he tries to strike in front
0: of this crowd well we're going to talk about that next week in braddock on texas the lieutenant governor's race your feel for that scott braddock i appreciate you coming on each and every week again at scott braddock there on twitter thank you bud it's my pleasure thank you jay check in with you soon I uh, speaking of we're gonna get in soon with nick harpster he is a uh, county commissioner candidate sitting in studio right now wearing purple maybe that's a sign i don't know nick harpster gonna go make some money take a quick time out somebody who you may not be familiar with I want to give you the opportunity to meet Nick Harpster right here after the break on your other side of Texas.
1: On oh, this long stretch of Interstate 10 I've got all the Louisiana I ways to tell her where I've been I'd like to kill that dirty dealer I love you
0: Hey, howdy. Welcome back in to your other side of texas a segment of the other side of texas sponsored by the law firm mullen horde and brown llp all the time i get hit i break stories people are like i'm gonna sue you you don't know what you're talking about it turns out man that i do know what i'm talking about but uh i got some friends at mullen horde and brown llp you should too with offices in lubbock amarillo and dallas employing creative legal solutions to address your business needs in the areas of commercial litigation banking financial restructuring employment law and estate planning if you've got questions as we roll along 806-745-5800 is where you can text us that's 806 806- seven four five fifty eight hundred we have nick Harpster in studio now nick is uh i should call him mr harpster is on the ballot for precinct two in lubbock county uh, running as a democrat uh nick Harpster. we're going to get into your bio but let me ask you this question You know where you're running, right? And you're running as a Democrat. Why?
2: I do. Um, I'm running as a Democrat just because I think that I probably side a little bit more towards the liberal end of things, but I do, um, I kind of push critical thinking quite a bit, especially as an instructor. I teach critical thinking to my students all the time to make them process things themselves instead of just listening to talking points from other people. I mean, to make sure and do your own research and and go the way of, of... science and research and statistics and and think things through rather than just kind of pick sides just because of who you are
0: yeah so there's the critical thinking component but tell me like you say you lean to the liberal end what should a voter who votes for you be expecting with the liberal end
2: um i just think that they should expect um I mean, I'm I'm definitely on the liberal side, but I'm I'm open-minded. I guess I can say. I mean, I'm definitely not going to shut anybody down. I'm not going to shut anybody out. Um, the the background of my campaign is is really diversity and inclusion. So, I think the more the the more people we can bring to the table. I mean, everybody pull up a chair and let's work let's work this out. We're we're definitely in some in some critical issues right now that we need taken care of, and and that's the whole reason I stepped up to run is. I got tired of explaining to my students things we need to do and going to rallies and trying to do things. And it's like, I, I just need to step up and do this myself because I, I can't wait. Yeah,
0: let's talk about education in your students and your background. Tell us what your educational background is, Nick.
2: Uh, my educational background, I have, a, I have a bachelor's in sociology from the University of Nebraska in Lincoln. Uh, then I, I took about 10 years off. you from for, here? I am, I'm from Nebraska originally. Okay. I've, I've lived in Lubbock about 11 years now. So uh, after, after I got my bachelor's in, in sociology, I had minors in English and political science, and I took about 10 years off, just kind of worked uh, random jobs, and then I was able to go back and get my master's in, in uh, criminal justice at uh, St. Ambrose University in uh, Davenport, Iowa. Uh, so I've lived in Iowa for quite a while, too. And then after that, I was accepted to Sam Houston State University for the Ph.D. program, which I'm still finishing up with. Um, a research portfolio, and then onto my dissertation. After that,
0: so almost doctor.
2: Almost doctor,
0: Nick Harps.
2: Hopefully next. Hopefully by next year.
0: Uh, running in precinct two. Tell us. So give us a rough shot of what precinct two in Lubbock County is.
2: Precinct 2 is, is, a, is an interesting mix. I've got a, a big chunk of uh, basically almost a square inside of Lubbock, and then I have all of Slayton, Roosevelt, Buffalo Springs Lake, and everything over there, um, Ransom Canyon. So I've got a big rural population. Plus in Lubbock I have almost a square. It's kind of funky because of gerrymandering like you mentioned. Um, but it basically from slide to I-27 and from 34th to 82nd.
0: Okay. So that break's sent down. Here's Here's my deal. We pay attention a lot to state politics on the program because, in my view, there is no form of government. People listen to this program over and over again. Know what I'm about to say. There's no form of government that influences people more on a day-to-day basis than state politics. State politics, over the last couple of uh, uh, legislative cycles, has made clear the Republicans in charge. Okay, let me back up. I remember interviewing Ben Barnes and Pete Laney, two old conservative Democrats who said, you know, the Republicans came up here in the 80s and 90s and said that they were all about uh, local control. And uh, where we are now is the legislature says we will have local control only if the state who who created the cities and the counties is okay with it yeah so they're okay with just trampling local control at this point um but the commissioner's court i say that i stay away from local stuff but whenever whenever we get into state politics it is by virtue of the arguments made now that makes me interested in things like county commissioner courts um tell us a little bit about your understanding of the state and county commissioner courts and if you have to work closely together how you work closely together with the state yeah
2: well, i think that's kind of it the the things the way things have gone recently is it does seem like the state has even though they seem to want to get rid of control at the same time they still want to have their thumb on you so the commissioners definitely do need to work together i mean we can work with the state we just need to make sure that I mean, we represent the people that are here in Lubbock. We can't just do everything the way they do things in Austin. We we don't want the current Austin politics coming to Lubbock County. And and I think a lot Why of people not? are definitely on that. It's just going way too far right. I mean, we're getting to basically, I mean, if you want to call it Tea Party right, I mean, that's that's basically what we're getting. And we don't need that to... To trickle down here.
0: But why not? Why wouldn't you want Tea Party right in Lubbock County?
2: It's just too much uh, conservatism and leaving too many people out. I mean, it's. Oh, hold on, hold
0: on. Time out. Whenever you say conservatism, what do you mean by that word? Because I think if there is a more. You won't find a more. subject turned to me than conservatism. At this point, how do you define Nick Harpster conservatism?
2: I, I guess in this sense, I, th- I think of conservatism as, as taxes. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. Is, is I keep hearing from the Republican candidates, especially in this uh, race here. I mean, we don't Jason want, we Corley. Don't, Corley, yeah, we don't want any more. We don't want any more taxes. I mean, we're going to cut taxes, or at least stay at that effective rate every year, every year. But yet. I hear him saying that and then when we when the commissioner's court does vote in the effective rate then he's like well you didn't give the sheriff enough money how are we, you they did what you said that you would do every year so why are you now unhappy with that
0: okay so corley has said no new taxes that's been his guarantee and I almost see George H W Bush in the background no new taxes yeah. read my lips how do you read Corley's lips when he says that?
2: Um, I really don't know if where he's coming at with that. I mean, everything that he says is just like, well, we can't raise taxes. But then everything on top of that, he's like, well, we're not doing this big enough. We're not doing this enough. We we He talked about the arena the other day. I mean, we don't want to build the arena because it's going to end up costing property taxes. We're going to have to raise property taxes even though it's not. So, I mean, there's an issue right there with that. But... We're not going to raise property taxes, but yet this venue is not big enough for Lubbock because we are growing.
0: uh, Sorry to interrupt you, but he has really gone out on your opponent, Nick Harpster, with us here on the program. Uh, You reached out to us. Corley, Jason Corley, is welcome to reach out. I'm not under any sort of FCC obligation to reach out to Corley at this point. Uh, But i've had plenty to say about corley i would certainly understand him not coming on the program but nick harbster here's my question for you is that he's made issues about infrastructure he's made issues about the arena gone on paid political ads not just him driving in his pickup doing a facebook live yeah yeah but paid professionally shined over ads against the arena where do you think that places you against Jason Corley? I
2: mean, honestly, I think that, that I mean, it's given me an edge. I mean, I'm I mean, having a lot of um, Republicans even contact me and saying, I mean, this is something that we need. And, and I mean, it, it's become a really big issue really quick. And, I mean, I think there's still a lot of people that don't understand exactly how this is going. But at the same time, I mean, I'm having people reach out to me that probably would not reach out to me and saying, I mean, if we want this, so we're going to back you.
0: Yeah, but they're doing... So, you you introduce yourself saying that you're liberal-leaning, but these people are still willing to vote against you. Can you... I want you... I want to go back to that question. Whenever you say you're liberal-leaning, what does that mean? And, look, I say that... Just, I ask that question because better O'Rourke, in my view, is in a lot of trouble because he needs trump voters i'm asking you that question in a trump county to say what whenever trump voters hear you say you lean liberal what exactly do you lean liberal on
2: i mean i'm honestly being I, i would probably consider myself a liberal i mean that's what people label me as but i mean i don't i don't agree with the labels I mean labels to me are, are just complete Like
0: joke. A, a West Coast East Coast liberal or
2: I mean I I, I really don't know. I mean I, I I don't really play with the labels. I I honestly don't. I mean labels so to me are just So you're calling yourself that because
0: people call you that.
2: I guess you could say that. Yeah. I mean that's that's probably what most people would label me as if they if they look at me and me as a me as an entire individual. They would they would say I'm a but liberal. But
0: based upon what, Nick Harper?
2: Probably a lot of it. Um, I know I've I've been I've been vocal about it here locally. I mean I'm I'm definitely a supporter of the L G B T Q community. Um, I've been I've been out to Pride a lot. I mean I've, I have a lot of friends that are in that community. I definitely stick up for that community, and and I know I mean that's definitely something that's way too liberal for a lot of conservatives in this area.
0: Okay, and what do you? So I asked you about liberalism in Lubbock County, and here's my whole. Point of departure in asking these questions, Lubbock to me seems to be a place that talks awfully. And I'm playing off an old alcohol reference here. Okay, Lubbock talked dry for 80 years and drank wet for 80 years. Exactly. Okay, the whole sum of the economy here is in federal, uh, federal bills, legislation surrounding agriculture and your farm bills. Uh, medical access and Medicaid and Medicare and also public education. And state funded higher public education. So I get really worn out real quick Nick Harpster whenever I hear people discussing well you know that's just like, Where do you draw your paycheck from? And how pragmatically have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. Whatever respective issue. But even within that audience, do you think it helps your cause to label yourself as a liberal in the country? Kind of, because I think a lot of people are looking at this race saying... And this is my whole background on the race. Or this is my whole thought on the race. The county commissioners of Lubbock voted to themselves a pay raise. Yes. Which the first two who were up in this race cycles two go up every year and so you had Mark Heinrich and you had Patty Jones incumbents who both went down on the pay raise issue there's a real opening but I'll say this to you as I said to Better O'Rourke on this very program can you ensure to Trump voters that you can be pragmatic and moderate enough to meet their policy initiatives without losing the whole gambit to a couple of outsiders uh, in Corley and say and you're just running against Corley I understand but what can you say to Lubbock County voters who would want to cast a vote for you even though you've just previously said you might be called liberal
2: Mm -hmm. I, I would just label myself as someone who wants to help all people I mean and 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 unfortunately the tea party doesn't seem to want to do that and i think that's the influence that we're trying to keep from getting in here in lubbock i want to make sure that we have I mean our, our public schools are run properly i want to make sure that we're getting that we're taking care of the homeless population make sure we're taking care of the indigent population um, i work as security at umc so i see the the inner workings of that that's the county hospital they are required by I mean mandate that they need to take care of all the indigent population and they will and they will
0: from outside the county whenever people come in who don't have adequate access to health care where do they come they come to lubbock county six days into the flu that i avoided last friday thank god above but they come in six days into the flu and take up hospital beds in hospitals covenant umc you're mostly dealing with umc on the county level where you also work yes. uh, to take up beds in a cost model that's not made up for those sorts of cases. Yeah, yeah
2: it's really not. And, and 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 really what's hurting us on that is is we did not decide to expand Medicare. And a lot of that would would bring in the funds needed to cover that. But now UMC is being forced to find creative ways to cover those costs that they're now no longer getting. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's hurting them, but they're able to do it now. It would just be a lot easier on them if we can have that Medicaid expansion to take care of that.
0: In your introduction, Nick Harpster, I hope you'll stick with us. We've got a quick break to get to. Um, I talked about what I know about the county level, that it's not just you alone. As a county commissioner, you have to work in collaboration with a team when they get into that issue as soon as we get back here. On your other side. Take some Robert Earl King and some great advertisers. To get back in with Nick Barbster, Precinct 2 in Lubbock County.
2: a Gringo.
0: Hey, uh, welcome back into your other side. This segment is brought to you by Lubbock File Room, providing safe and secure document storage and shredding services to Lubbock and the surrounding areas since 1992. A few questions on the text line right now about developments over the weekend with Rager Dykes and Rager Gate, and we're going to try to get to you that. Got? Uh, here, but uh, it'll be tomorrow. I'll just tell you that right now. The next episode for a free and hassle free estimate for your document storage and shredding services, give our friends at LubbockFileRoom.com a call 806 744 7666. That's 806 744 7666. We've got Nick Harpster here, a Lubbock Commissioner, Lubbock County Commissioner, Precinct 2, joining us here on the program. Uh Nick Harpster, I don't, as I've said before, I focus more on state politics because I think that it's so influential in the way that we think and the way that we do things. But I've looked over the past couple of agendas at the Lubbock County Commissioner's Court, and it can range between 30 and 50 agenda items. Most of them are contracts. Some of them have to do, overdue with the oversight of this project or that. It'd be medical examiner. It can be a whole host of issues with regard to the county. But it's only once maybe twice but mainly once it has to do with county roads and that's something that's been made an issue in this race once out of 30 to 50 agenda items um it seems to me that the role of commissioner is to work well with others talk to us a little bit about your professional background and how you're prepared to work not as like some big heroic individual voice on the court but to try to work with others.
2: I think that's one of my biggest aspects is that I've, I've had so much diversity in the different jobs that I've had that I've, I'm able to work with, with pretty much anybody. I mean, it's it's very difficult that there's somebody that turns me off so bad that I just absolutely cannot deal with them. And I, and I think that... I come from a standpoint to where, I mean, I mentioned the critical thinking already. I mean, I'm I'm open-minded when I come into things, too, so I'm able to have that dialogue back and forth, I mean, to get things worked out for just the way that things need to be done.
0: Okay, so give us an example of one of the professional settings in which you've been made to work well with others.
2: Probably the the first one here that I've I've experienced in Lubbock um, when when I first moved here after I completed my coursework at Sam Houston State was uh, I started the criminal justice program at uh, Kaplan U- at Kaplan College here in Lubbock. Um, they hadn't had the program before, so they hired me as the program director. So I had to oversee the budget for that, hire all the new um, and instructors and things like that. Uh, no, I'm I'm still not doing, I'm not doing that anymore.
0: Okay. So you were doing that for how long?
2: I did that for, I was, in, I was in that position for about a year, and then I left for a while, and then I came back just as an instructor.
0: Okay um tell me so i see this and this is something that's on our docket daniel's gonna start raising his eyebrows about me bringing this up now but there's this issue like i'm second amendment and people who know this program know that i go out on branches on the first amendment issue and you know like with regent gate with rager gate with the stuff that we've broken here And I see how well First Amendment and Second Amendment work well together. Uh, I think I can respect that as well as anybody, I dare say, in Lubbock County. Because, you know, I break stuff. Even with the aforementioned Expo Center, which I voted for today. I voted for that proposal. I voted for the Lubbock Independent School District proposal. Um, But I broke news about rental car tax revenues being in question at the federal level we broke some of the rager gate stuff we've broken the Regent gate stuff I understand the importance of and i'm holding my firearm not at nick Harpster, but up in the air hollow points and but i understand how well those things work together there's a crazy and i'm going to call him a crazy because he can't even get elected in a community that that should know him by now who's raising all sorts of hell that in the lubbock county courthouse he should be able to walk around armed where inmates have been under the letter of the law have been prosecuted and have been jailed but he wants to carry his firearm around in there and based upon the guy i would think i could take him like in the first 90 seconds and if i can take him somebody that's been rung up under the law probably about uh, 20 20 yeah, to yeah. 30 seconds uh those sorts of things and i would just bring this out of left field to say you okay with the prohibitions at the lubbock county courthouse that say you cannot walk in there armed because there, it seems to me that there are inmates on every floor it makes yeah. a lot of sense to me that you would not be able to walk in armed to the Lubbock yeah, County yeah. Courthouse given the sort of inmate traffic in the courthouse.
2: Yeah, to me that makes common sense. I mean even even if there weren't inmates in there. I mean you're dealing with all kinds of I mean high emotional I mean court cases and, and things like that, custody cases that get ugly a lot of times. You don't you don't need to add weapons to that mix.
0: And you don't have it's not like there are officials of the law walking exactly. around unarmed. They know how to use those firearms. Yeah, yeah. Uh Nick Harpster, as we close out here, tell us why people who are interested in this race would want to hear in the first day of early voting why they would want to vote for you rather than your opponent Jason Corley.
2: I just think that I bring um a more level playing field. I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna come at things at uh open minded. I don't have an agenda set behind me. I'm gonna come in and, and work for the people. I'm gonna have an open door policy, they can come to me whenever they want. I've I've been active in the communities during this campaign, going out to different events, I mean learning from the people, learning about different things here in, in Lubbock County. So I'm I'm gonna keep doing that. I'm gonna still go out to the communities and talk to the people and and make sure that everybody is represented.
0: And Chuck asking on the text line, what do you make of the commissioner pay raise? Um, I believe your opponent has said that they would give back the increase. I don't know if that's correct or not. But yeah, I mean, it gets he's, he's... a little nebulous. What do you make of the pay raise? That again, my thesis: the reason this is even a race is because his predecessor um, voted for the pay increase. What do you make of the pay increase? What will you do with it?
2: You know, I, th- I think there's a little bit more involved in the pay increase as far as the, the commissioners going out. But, I, I mean, I think the biggest problem was that they, they went so long, they went several years without giving themselves a pay raise, and then all of a sudden when they did the figures, it's like, oh, well, we need to catch up to everybody else, and they just dumped it on all at once. I think, honestly, if they would have done it incrementally, it would have just been completely under the radar that would have been an issue. But since they dumped such a huge chunk all at once, it's a big thing.
0: So maybe are you saying, like, 25 percent increase over the course of four years or? i don't i don't
2: even really think that it needs to be that much i mean i i honestly think that it is probably a little bit high compared to i mean the the cost of living here in lubbock i mean i would i wouldn't have an issue with i mean dropping it 10 percent or something but but people also need to realize that it wasn't just the commissioners got the raise. it was every elected official in the county so there was several other people that got pay raises as well it wasn't just the commissioners and and you don't really see them being hounded about that either um, but it, but like I said, I mean, I, I think it could be dropped a little bit. I would, I would have no issue with that. But him saying that he's going to go in and lower it to the 2014 rate or whatever, I mean, he's, he's fine to do that, but it's it's just going to be tossed into the savings for the county and it's going to get spent elsewhere the, previous, the next year.
0: Okay, so make your pitch to me, Nick Harpster, somebody who is myself, somebody who's pro-life, somebody who's pro-Second Amendment. Make your pitch to me why you why I should vote for you and then tell because I am in your precinct. Uh make your case why you should why I should vote for you and then close it out by telling us where folks can find more information on you.
2: I just think that you should vote for me because I'm I'm out there for all the people. Like I said, I mean I want to represent everybody And, and to me the more people that are doing better overall, the more everybody does better. So, I mean, the more you bring everybody up, I mean, you bring up the lower people, I mean, you bring up the higher people, too. So I think that I'm capable of doing that. I'm going to go out and, and try to and be a little bit more proactive on the, on the court, try and do some things instead of just, I mean, paying the bills and fixing the roads. I think we can, we can be more proactive. Uh, I know some people have come at me and said, we don't have the budget to do that. But we can, we can go out and get new, new businesses in, raise revenue, so we can have money to do things like that. I think we can, uh, we can work with the city a little bit more. There's, there's been kind of a real pushback, it seems, for the city and the county working together, and I think we need to repair that and, and work on things together and join forces instead of doing two different things and, and not doing resources together.
0: And they can reach you, they find out more about your campaign, where?
2: They can find out more about me on, on Facebook. Um, my website is picknick2018.com.
0: That's not on Facebook, but that's your...
2: That, that's my webpage, and then I'm also on Picnic. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Picnic2018.com okay. is my Facebook page And then my just webpage.
0: search Nick Harpster on Facebook. You can just search Nick Harpster yeah. on Facebook. I appreciate you coming in, right. Nick Harpster. I appreciate you having me. Answering some questions here. Uh, that concludes this episode of Other Side of Texas. Got some big, big fish to fry as the weekend goes on, or the week, excuse me uh and we'll get into those man i've been i don't know if you guys have heard this or not but uh jordan peterson's 12 steps book man that book i'm gonna have plenty about to say about that as the week goes on be responsible for yourself Uh, that's just a precursor to the days to come but for today i gotta get home gotta get home above average dinner and great family waiting for me hope you go find those polls and uh, go cast your vote be talking about that over the next couple of weeks for nick harpster for scott braddock j west texas leeson Signing off and uh, go out there. Go out there. Be a good West Texan. Get it done. See you next episode here on Your Other Side of Texas.